welcome to the Exchange Church Podcast. You can find us on Facebook as well as Twitter and Instagram at Exchange Houston. The following message is from our lead pastor, Jared Brooks. Little device this morning. You can get that out and turn to John chapter 8. If you don't have that with you, we're going to be up here on the Sky Bible. In John chapter 8, verse 31, this is a passage that we're going to be looking at today, and it says this, then Jesus, everybody say Jesus. Jesus said to the Jews who believed, now who did he say, who did he, what is he about to say this to? To people that believed. So get that, get what what it says. These people who believed, he's about to speak to them, and he says to them, if you who believe abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Uh, Some versions say will literally set you free. Verse 33, they answered Jesus, they look back at Jesus, these, these people that he's speaking to, and they say this, we are Abraham's descendant and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? Or how can you say to us that we need to be set free? We're not even in bondage. And Jesus answered them, most assuredly I say to you, whoever commits sin, is a slave to that sin. And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Verse 36, therefore, if the son sets you free or the son makes you free, come on, somebody, you are free indeed. Please bow your heads and let's pray this morning. Father, I thank you so much this morning for the opportunity that you've given me to preach and to teach. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to have entrance into the hearts of your people. And I believe, Lord, that you sent me here with a specific assignment. And I ask, Lord, this morning that you would use my mouth as your instrument to be able to do your will. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would help me this morning unpackage and deliver the prophetic word of the Lord. I pray this morning right now, each one of us would make a decision to open up our eyes and the hearts of uh, the, the eyes and the ears of our hearts this morning. We pray for nothing less than transformation. This is our prayer, Lord God, that we today would be transformed by the renewing of our minds so that we can now go and prove that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would release something inside of us that would cause an eternal response. And we ask this this morning in the mighty name of Jesus. Everybody said amen. 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 You can be seated. Well, God has spoken over our church and you are the church. He's spoken over us in 2017, this word that's at the very top of this slide, unhindered. Okay. And This is our vision for this year. And I'm going to say we are, and I'm going to point at you, and I want you to shout unhindered. We are? Unhindered. Come on, you can get a little louder than that. We are? Unhindered. One more time, a little bit louder. We are? Unhindered. That's right, unhindered. And if you don't know what that means, what happens is we were reading in the, the Bible in Acts chapter 28, verse 30, and the Bible says this, and he stayed, and that's speaking of Paul the Apostle, two full years in his own rented quarters and was welcoming all who came to him. He's preaching the kingdom of God. He's teaching concerning the Lord Jesus Christ with all openness, unhindered. Say it one more time, unhindered. One more time, unhindered. Now, this word, unhindered, it means with no one or no thing able to prevent. Think about that. With no one or no thing able to prevent. And that's what God has spoken over our lives. You see, many times we have, or all the time, we have things that come to limit us, things that we would call hindrances. And they are in our lives and they hinder us. But here is the writer of the book of Acts, Luke, and he's looking at Paul's life and he goes, man, I see hindrances all around. This guy is literally in prison in his own house. He's having to foot the bill for his own imprisonment, everybody say, that's a hindrance, hindrance. right? If you locked me up in my own house, put me under house arrest, talk about, hey, then try to raise some money for your family, try to pay your bills, Kevin. I'd be like, man, I can't. I'm very, very hindered right now. Luke looks at Paul's life 
and sees his life and declares right here that although he had many hindrances, he lived unhindered. Although he had many hindrances, the plan of God and the will of God for Paul's life continued to go on in the face of hindrances. And this year, what God is teaching us as we are the exchange church to do is to live like that. To live with an unhindered mentality. Because I'm telling you, when God speaks over us as a church that we are unhindered, I'm not telling you that 2017 is going to be a year of no hindrances. That's crazy. I'm telling you, we're going to have the same amount of hindrances that we did in 2016. The thing that we're going to be able to do in 2017 is overcome every obstacle. Come on, somebody. We're going to overcome everything that comes our way. We're going to step over every hindrance. God is going to bring us through all of those things, and people will be able to look at our lives and go, man, there's something different. They, for some reason, are unstoppable. There's no one or no thing able to prevent those type of people. How do you do it, Pastor Jared? And you will have the answer for them. Amen? So this is where God's taken us this year. It's a very very exciting uh, uh, track that we're going on. It's a very exciting vision that God has for us. And and, uh, Pastor Jared, a couple weeks ago, started a new series in this idea of unhindered called God's Vision for My Life. And he started off with the first point, and and this year, I'm going to ask you to, uh, we'll put the slide up for you. Everybody, I want you to read this with me. This is the vision that we're going through these, these seven weeks. Everybody, one, two, three, to see people saved. Healed, set free, discipled, equipped, empowered, and serving. One more time. Let's all read it together. To see people saved, healed, set free, discipled, equipped, empowered, and serving. And so Pastor Jared talked uh, two weeks ago about each one of us, God's will for our life this year. And to be able to live unhindered is to first to be saved. God wants all of us to be saved. Amen? And then we talked last week, just a powerful week, about God wants all of us to be healed as well. Amen? And man, we had an awesome time down at the altar praying and and just believing for miracles, healing in, uh, in our lives, not just physically. My wife came down for a physical healing, but many of us emotional healings that, that we needed. Amen? Well, we've talked about those two things. The next one is for us to be set free. I'm telling you this year, God wants you to be set free. And that's what we're going to talk about today. I have three very simple, very quick points this morning. And if you're taking notes, please write down these points. Number one, if you are going to live that life that's unhindered and you're going to be set free, number one, you need to understand this. It is possible for believers to be in bondage. You got to understand that. Very important. It's just a simple little point, but many people think if I'm a Christian, then I'm set free. I can't, it's impossible for me to live in any type of bondage. And, and, and what happens is that's not the truth. And so these type of people, including myself at times, we live in denial. I don't have any bondage. I don't have any problems. I'm just set free. I believe in the finished work of the cross, and so I am free. And in John 8, verse, uh, chapter 8, verse 32, we already read it, and it's one of the most quoted scriptures in the Bible. I've heard preachers quote this for years and years and years. The thing is, Pastor Cody, they misquote it. It's a very misquoted scripture. I'll go up to a pastor and be like, hey, can you quote uh, John 8, 38? And they say, oh, Sure. You shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. I know that from my heart. Well, you just misquoted it. Like, what do you mean, Pastor Kevin? You forgot the first word in that verse. Put it up. John chapter 8, verse 32. What does it start with? What's the first word? And. And. So it's adding to the point that was right before it. So the verse, if you quote it, correctly is, and you will know the truth, and the truth sets you free. So what does verse 31 says? It says, then Jesus said to those Jews who believe. So we're talking about believers. Everybody say believers. In just a second, it's going to say these are not just believers, but they are disciples. So Jesus is speaking. Understand the people, the context, the people that Jesus is speaking to. He's people speaking to people like you and me, believers who believe in Jesus Christ, okay? They're not only believers, but they are disciples. And he says to them, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, 
and, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Well, what do you mean? If I'm already a believer, how do I need to be set free? I don't, I don't understand what's going on here. And these people, literally, these believers in Jesus look at him, and they say the very same thing. They say, hey, man, we're Abraham's descendants, man. They're living in denial. They go, why do you say we've never been in, in bondage to anybody? Why do you need to, to, to say that we need to be set free? Which Jesus' reply is this. Let me make it very clear for you, very simple. Whoever commits sin is in bondage to that sin. Okay, now, now did Jesus there say, whoever commits sin has lost their salvation I will not know you anymore. I will blot your name out of the book of life, and I'm done with you. You're not a son. Everything that I'm going to do on the cross, you've just completely abolished that, and I'm telling you, you're not saved anymore. Is that what he said? No. He just says, if you commit sin, and if you go and you, you uh, really study this out, you'll find out the Greek word for commits, it literally means prolonged sin. So he's talking about a sin that you're living in that's not just once, but it's uh, in a particular sin carried out over a long period of time. He's saying anyone who commits an act of sin over a prolonged period of time, that person is not really free. Although Jesus has set them free, they're not living free. They're living in bondage. He's saying... I'm making a statement, you have become a slave, you are in bondage, you are shackled up, you are chained to that thing. Now, you may say, well, Pastor Kevin, how can you say that they're, not, they're, they're, they're still saved? You know, uh, don't they need to get right with God if they're living in some type of prolonged sin? Well, Pastor Jared really explained this very eloquently two weeks ago when he talked about what it is to be saved. He was talking about us being triune beings and we're made up of three parts. Everybody say three. Okay, God is made up of three parts, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Trinity, right? He made us in His image, and we're made up of three parts. We have a spirit, we have a soul, and we have a body. And Pastor Jerry was talking about, it's so awesome. The Bible literally talks about our spirit. When you first believe in Jesus Christ, it says that you have been saved. Our spirits have been saved, and you can't do anything to lose that. You can't do anything to add to that. You are a son. You are part of the family. Amen? That's awesome. Our spirits are saved. But listen, we have another part of us, and that is our soul. Our soul is made up of our mind, our will, and our emotions, right? So that's, your, that's the knowing part. That's where you think, your mind, that you feel, that how you feel, your will, your emotions, okay? And the Bible talks about this is something that is being saved. This is something that is being transformed. It's a process. Although you are completely saved, you're going through the process of the salvation of your soul. And so in that part, we have an unregenerated soul, and it's going through being transformed, and I'm telling you, at time to time, you're going to struggle with things. It doesn't mean that you're not a child of God anymore. It doesn't mean that you need to get right with God. You can't get any more righter than you are. Amen? Amen. Right? We have to get that in our heads, or we're going to live in bondage in another area that God doesn't want us to be. We are sons. He loves us. Yes, He loves us. How He loves us. Amen? So... We're going through this process. It, it's uh, it's our, our scripture of the month. Does anybody have Romans 12.2 memorized yet? Romans 12.2. You can put it up on the Sky Bible. We'll go over it again. It says, and do not be conformed to this world. Okay. And, and the world that it's talking about right now, we live in a, in a world that has sin in it. A fallen world, right? And it says, don't be conformed to that world, but be transformed by the renewing of your spirit. Is that what it says? No. It's talking about the second part of you, your soul, right? Your mind, your will, and your emotions. Be renewed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove. And to, for me to memorize this, I call this the gap. Okay, everybody say gap. Okay, what's the G? Good. What's the A? acceptable. And what's the P? Perfect will of God. And so this is what we're going through. It's the point where we need to understand that a Christian that commits sin and keeps doing it over a long period of time does not lose their salvation. That's not the point that Jesus was making. The point is that Christians... Although they're saved, they live a life short of what God has for them. They live in bondage, and God doesn't want us to be in bondage. 
He wants us to produce life and life more abundantly. He wants us to bring his kingdom to this earth now. Amen? And so it's so simple to see in this passage that Jesus is talking to believers, not unbelievers, and he's talking to them, and he says, you believers, he says, you who believe, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. That's why it's possible, you need to understand a very simple point, it is possible for Christians to be in bondage. All right, And that's not an indictment on you, that doesn't mean that there's something broken about you, that means there's something normal about you, okay? But God loves you too much to leave you where you're at, right? And so he comes in with this message today. You know, I'll give you a definition of bondage this morning. I'll put it up on the Sky Bible for you, and uh, let's, let's read this together. Bondage, and this is kind of long, but stick with me. Bondage is any impulsive or compulsive behavior that restricts you, okay? So we're talking about we need to be set free But what happens is this impulsive or compulsive behavior, it restricts you. It holds you back. It hinders you, okay, from living in and enjoying the freedom that Jesus died to give you. Jesus didn't die to give you freedom so that you could go and murder people, although you're free to do that. You are. Okay, He's not controlling anybody, but what starts to happen is as you start to be renewed by the transformer of your mind, you, uh, you start going, whoa, 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 there's something wrong with that. It's not in my heart to do that. God is love. Love is inside of me. I don't want to murder people. I want to love people, right? right? So any impulsive or compulsive behavior that starts to restrict you from living that life that God wants you to, to live in. In. And listen, I say this, and you may say, well, Pastor Kevin, just, just stop for just one, one moment, because you lost me on impulsive. I understand compulsive. I understand that, that we get in, in, into sin, and we start doing it over and over and over, and we need to be set free from that. But listen, let me, let me tell you this morning. Any also impulsive. Um, I, I know a guy years ago, and, and what happened, a, a problem came up, and his wife came to me, and she was very concerned, because what had happened is he had gone on a business trip, and he was on this business trip, and when he got back, the uh, credit card bill came in, and she saw that he had purchased a naughty movie on his trip. And, and so we had, we had a meeting together, and, and he goes, babe, 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 you don't understand. Like, I didn't go there, like, thinking, oh, I'm going to watch this movie. He was like, I, it was very impulsive. He said, I was just tired, I was lonely, and I was, I was flipping through, and that was there. And just on impulse, I did it, and I'm sorry, I'll never do it again, okay? And, and he, he, the thing was, it was very impulsive. Now, here's the thing. Let me tell you this. Even the things that we do impulsively that are not something we do a lot, maybe this was a one-time thing for this guy, there is still a bondage there that we need to be set free from. There's still a root there that we need to be set free from. And our hearts as pastors in this church is to be able to come in and come alongside uh, the, the people that God has brought here today for us to be able to, to encourage and disciple and even get to the places and set free those roots so those impulsive things don't even keep you in bondage. And is that a good thing? Yeah, that, that's awesome. And so, listen, it's any impulsive or compulsive behavior that restricts you from living in the freedom that, that Jesus died to give us. Now, let's put Jeremiah chapter 7, verse 8. In Jeremiah chapter 7, listen to this. This is very interesting. He says, Behold, you trust in line words that cannot profit. Number 9 is very interesting. Will you still, think about these things, murder, commit adultery, swear falsely. In other words, will you do these acts of sin? Burn incense to Baal, walk after other gods whom you do not know, verse 10, and then come and stand before me in this house. In other words, uh, come to church, to the, to the, the building where all the, the people of God are, are gathering. He says, which is called by my name and say, we're delivered. We're, or, 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 or just come in and go, we're free to do all these abominations. It's like right there, I had a, a, a pause, dot, 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 and many of you went, no, that's not the purpose 
of us being set free so that we can go to church and commit all these things. Verse 11, he says, Has this house which is called by my name become a den of thieves in your eyes? Behold, even I, even I, have seen it, says the Lord. What's he saying here? He's saying you've got all this sin in your life, and you come to church, and you say, we're free. Yeah, we're free. We're delivered. And he's like, what are you free to do? Are you telling me that you're free to commit all of these sins? You're, that's the purpose? That's the reason that I, God, set you free so you can do horrible things? Everybody says no. Like, right? That, that, that's, not the, that's not the purpose. I'm telling you today, Jesus died, and we talked about last, uh, last week, for, uh, on the cross, uh, even before the cross, he took the stripes on his back for our healing. The whole process through the death, burial, and resurrection is salvation, but it's also healing, and it's also to set us free, yeah. right? right. But, but let me show you in Romans chapter 6, verse 15, it says, what then shall we sin because we're not under law but under grace now everybody understands we live in a better covenant now and we're not under the law right we're not under the law everybody said amen Amen. we are under grace and everything is permissible for us to do it is we can we can do whatever we want to do that's the whole point when we have a relationship with him we are set free like i'm telling you right now one of the greatest things i love about marriage i've been married now for almost 18 years And the greatest thing is that my wife wakes up every day, and there's, I don't know, billions of men in the world, and out of all those men every day, she chooses me. Not because she has to. She has the freedom to choose anybody that she wants to, but she loves me, and she chooses me, right? And, and she's free to do whatever she wants. And what's so awesome is that she wants me. I'm telling you guys, we are free. Jesus has set us free to do whatever we want to do. Why not love him? Why not manifest his kingdom now? That scripture is telling us that whatever you yield your life to, because in verse 16, I didn't finish reading it. Listen, he says, shall we sin because we're not under law but under grace? And and obviously, this is a, a, um, a conversation he's having with believers, right? He wouldn't talk to that type of thing to unbelievers. And he says this, certainly not, verse 16, do you not know or do you believers not know that to whom you present Saves to obey. Here again, we're not talking about salvation. We're talking about in your life, the things that you're acting out, you present yourself slaves to obey. In other words, whom you yield your life to, you become that one's slave. That to whom you obey. Whether So there's two things that he says that you can, you can uh, tie yourself to. You can chain yourself to. One of those things, he says, it's sin leading to death. Or it's obedience leading to righteousness. Now, if I put two, you know, little sticks up here with signs on it, and I said, okay, who wants to choose to tie themselves today to sin leading to death, come up here and stand in this line, or who wants to choose to tie themselves and to live their life into uh, 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 leading to righteousness? What, what does it say? Uh, um, obedience leading to righteousness. Everybody would come over here because we want our lives to, to be in righteousness, right? The good things. We don't want our, our marriages to be leading to death, right. right? I want my marriage to be abundant. My relationship with my kids, I don't want it in leading to death. And what he's saying is the actions that you start to carry out, the things that you start to put your life towards, all of a sudden, it's either you're tying yourself to sin leading to death or obedience leading to righteousness. This scripture is telling us that whatever you yield yourself to, you're in bondage to, you're tied to, you become a slave to the thing. And I don't know about you, but this morning, I want to be set free, and I want to tie myself to what Pastor Jared's been talking about. You can see this locomotive up here that represents the will of God. It represents the Word of God. It is unstoppable. It is unhindered. I want to tie myself like Paul did to that thing, which is obedience that leads to righteousness. Amen? So, The first point was, it is possible for believers to be in bondage. Now, this next one's going to hurt a little bit, all right? But number three is awesome, okay? So number two, you're taking notes, write this down. It's difficult to admit you're in bondage. This is the hard one. 
And it seems so simple, but man, is it difficult. It's difficult to admit that you're in bondage. It just is. I've seen it over and over. Look, let's go look at John 8 again in verse 33. After Jesus says this to, this to him, that you need to be set free, you need to know the truth, and the truth is going to set you free, they look at Jesus and they say this. Think about the people who are saying this. They, they say, we are Abraham's descendants and have never, everybody say never, never, never ever been in bondage to anyone ever. Never, ever have we been in bondage to anyone. How can you say that we need to be set free? That passage of Scripture, to me, in my own personal opinion, is one of the funniest passages in the Bible. Please, please, let's read it again. And I want you to think about the people that are saying this to Jesus. These are Jewish people. These are, think about the Hebrew children. Think about the Old Testament. And they say we are Abraham's descendants, and we have never been in bondage to anybody. Have you all ever read the Bible before? The Jewish people have been in bondage to everybody. <laughs> right? Listen, they celebrate the Passover every year. It is an annual thing that they do as a family. And the whole purpose of celebrating the Passover is celebrating that God let them out of bondage from the Egyptian. And they're going, we've never been in bondage to anybody. Go study the Bible. They were in bondage to the Chaldeans. They were in bondage to the Egyptians, to the Babylonians. And listen, while they are saying this to Jesus, they are currently in bondage to the Romans. They are looking for and praying for God to send the Messiah, the King of all the kings, the Lord of all the lords, to set them free from the bondage of the Romans. And Jesus says, you need to be set free. And they go, we've never been in bondage to anybody. Is that not ridiculous to you? It's ridiculous, but we do the same things. I've seen it, Pastor, for years and years. This isn't my first rodeo. This isn't my first year of being a pastor, okay? I, there's be times where I'll be praying and God would just give me a burden, Pastor, for a, a guy in the church, and I'll be led by God to go and talk to them. And I was, hey, brother, man, listen, I'll call him over to the side and say, man, I've been praying for you, and uh, man, I really have seen some things that God showed me about uh, your marriage, and you really have a, a bondage that you're in right now. You're very controlling, and you're very angered. You have a problem with anger. And they'll be like, I don't, I don't have a problem with anger. And I'm like, well, I mean, it, it, it's really destroying your marriage. And, and listen, God wants to set you free. So can I pray for you? No, 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 no. I'm a Christian, and Christians aren't in bondage to anything. I'm set free. And I'm like, how long would you say that? I mean, what would you even call what you're dealing with then? Well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't call it a bondage. It's just a, it's just a weakness. Isn't that what we call it? It's just a weakness. Well, how long have you had this weakness? Oh, 20 years. <laughs> yeah, buddy, you really seem set free, <laughs> right? This weakness that you've had for 20 years that is literally, it's, it, it's this dive bomb of your marriage is going down and, and God wants to come and, and to set them free. But nobody wants to admit that we're in bondage. It's really hard because it's an inside thing. And it's, it's almost like it's an indictment on your character. Like you are admitting that you're not saved and you're admitting that you're a horrible person and that didn't take, you know, the salvation didn't take and there's something wrong with me and I'm a second class Christian and I don't even know what I am. That is a lie from the enemy. That's why we're preaching the truth here at the exchange. So you know you haven't lost your salvation and God's not mad at you. And it's okay to admit when you're in bondage. 
It's not an indictment on your character and on yourself. One of the best things that you can do today is admit that you need help and that you're in bondage. It's foolishness not to admit. It's foolishness for me to see it, me to come talk to you about it, and you, like these people, being in bondage, go, we've never been in bondage to anybody. It would be like if I came up to Pastor Cody after church today and we're eating, and I was like, bro, listen, hey, man, you got a big old piece of pepper in your tooth. And I'm a friend, so I want, I want to tell you about it. And you're like, oh, no, I don't have pepper in my tooth. And I'm like, no, dude, like I can see it. You look like Billy Bob right now. It's blacking out your tooth. You look like a hillbilly. You're like, no, 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 I'm, I'm a Christian, man, and Christians don't get pepper in their teeth. That's as ridiculous as what that sounds. Guys, we struggle with these things. We, in time to time, allow bondages to come in. And we need to get to a place where we can freely go, you know what, man, I am struggling in this area and I need help. I'm in bondage. I'm still saved. I'm still a believer. I'm still his son. I know that he loves me and that's why he's showing this thing to me. And now I want you to know that, yeah, pray for me. I need to be set free. Verse 32 is very important. Verse 32 says, he, he said to these people that say they're not in bondage, but he says to these believers, and you will know. Everybody say no. You will know the truth. You will know, you will know the truth. Now, let me ask you a question. Is there a difference between meeting someone and knowing someone? Right? I'm picking on Pastor Cody a lot today. Like if I came to you and I was like, hey man, oh, I'm so glad I saw you. You know so-and-so? And you'd be like, yeah, <laughs> I totally know that guy, man. I love that guy, man. I, I know him really good. Like, good, I'm so glad. I need his address. So uh, I wanted to send him some stuff, man. And I know that they're going through some things. I want to send some flowers. So uh, can you give me his address? And you're like, uh, yeah, yeah, um. Like, I don't, I don't really know where he lives. I don't, like, know his address. I'm like, oh, no, no, that, that's cool. I understand. Everybody knows the address, stuff like that. But, but uh, his wife is the one that's going through the thing. I forgot her name. They, they've only been a couple times, but you said that you know him, so can you tell me his wife's name? And you're like, uh, yeah, uh, the thing about that is that uh, I don't know his wife's name either, like, but I thought you knew him. And he'd say, no, what I meant to say is I've met him. Right? There's a difference between knowing and meeting, the Bible says that you will know the truth. Here's the thing. Many people, I would say there's, there's a big group of people here at the exchange, you have met Jesus. And that's awesome. That was the first message. To be able to be saved, you have to meet him. That's what happens. You meet him, and you're like, whoa, you are my Lord and Savior. It is so awesome to meet you. And that, at that moment, you are a believer. I'm telling you, you are going to heaven. You have eternal life. You have the ability to manifest his kingdom on this earth. It's awesome, right? But I came today to ask you, I don't want to know if you've just met him. That's important. We all need to do that. That was the first message. My question today is, do you know him? Do you know him? To know somebody, you have to spend time with that person, right? In spending time with them, you learn more about them, and you get to really know their heart and, and who they are and what they think like, and, and you start to know their address, and you start to know uh, the, the people that they know, and you know those people's names, and it becomes more and more. And the Bible here says you will know the truth. Everybody say the truth. John 14, 6, I'll put it up on the Sky Bible for you. John 14, 6 says this, Jesus said to him, I am the way, and he says this, I am the truth. So Jesus is the truth, right? He, everybody, everybody understand? He is the truth. Jesus is the truth. And he says, and you will know the truth. Listen, and we got to know the truth. He's also not just the truth, but he is the word. Everybody say word. John chapter 1, verse 1, we'll put it up on the Sky Bible. It says this, in the beginning was the 
Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And so this is talking about Jesus. Jesus is the Word. And it says He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through the Word. And without the Word, nothing was made that was made. In verse 4 it says, In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. Verse 5 says, And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Skip to verse 14. Verse 14 says, And the Word became flesh. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory and the glory as of the only begotten Father. And what is the Word? What is the truth full of? Grace and truth. Not judgment and condemnation. What are you doing? I can't believe you're doing that. You're not my son anymore. Out. No, 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 no. When you come to Him and you're in bondage, you know what He's full of? Grace. Not the truth about the things that you've been doing. The truth about who you really are in Him. And if you'll find that truth out, all the other stuff just starts to fade. Many of us, the root of why we have these impulsive or compulsive things that are restricting us, it's not because we have a problem with that thing. It's because we don't realize who we are. And we don't realize who. Somebody somewhere told us something that wasn't true about him, and we believed it. God wants to restore his image back to us. And that we could come on a Sunday morning when we're talking about being set free and go, yeah, I do believe that Christians can be in bondage. And it's okay to admit that I'm in bondage because he's full of grace and truth. And that leads to righteousness. Now, not righteousness that you can earn. Righteousness is a gift that comes through salvation. Not because of anything that you did, but because of everything that he did. But in the process of understanding that you are the righteousness of God, all of a sudden, you stop believing that you're a sinner. You start believing that you're the righteousness. And what do you start doing? When you believe that you're a sinner, you sin. When you believe that you're righteous, you do righteous things. And a righteous thing is to admit, man, I I'm, I'm, I'm have a lot of problems. I'm in a lot of bondage, and I just want to be set free. That's why it's so important for you to come to the exchange each week and not just be an intender, but to be a participator. Pastor Jared and I were reading a, an article just the other day that was talking about people believe that they're faithful if they go to church one time a month. Right. And that's not my generation. My generation, I was raised that every time the doors were open, you, you needed to be there. And it wasn't because of legal. Well, when I was a kid, it was because of legalism. But now the reason that I'm here, guys, is because I'm passionate about this. I understand that every time the doors are open, it's an opportunity that I have to get to know him more. Because there's a pastor there at that church who has devoted his life to studying this to help me see these things that I need to know about myself, to break these bondages off of me, to be able to set free me free. And it's important to be here. Amen. Because every week that you miss is a part that you may continue to live in bondage in. So it's, it's difficult, it's difficult to admit that you're in bondage. But, oh, I told you, three is good. Everybody say easy. It's easy to be set free, though. Taking notes, write that down. Number three, it is easy to be set free from bondage. The hard part is admitting that you're in bondage. Think about what I just said. It's possible for believers to be in bondage. It's difficult for us to admit it, but it's easy to be set free. The difficult part is for you to admit that you're in bondage and to ask for help. That's the difficult part. But once you do, you're free. See, 1 John chapter 3, verse 8 says this. It's such a powerful scripture. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested. Well, what's that purpose? That he might destroy the works of the devil. Let me ask you a question. 
did the Son of Man, has he been manifested? Did he come in flesh? Did he live? Did he die? And was he raised again? Did that happen? Well, he was manifested, and it said that he might destroy the works of the devil. So if that happened, it means the works of the devil are completely destroyed. When I, come to t- I came today to tell you that he has actually already set you free. Okay? He's done everything that needs to happen for you to be free. John 3, 8, it just says, 1 John 3, 8, it has already been done. The enemy has been completely destroyed. Come on. Mark chapter 9, verse 17, I want to show you in these last two stories how easy it is to be set free. Mark chapter 9, verse 17, I want you to think about this story. This, this really happened. Okay? This happened on this earth says this, then one of the crowd, so this dad, he answered and he said, teacher, he says, I I brought my son to you who has a mute spirit, verse 18, and whenever, think about this, talking about his son, it seizes him and it throws him down. He foams, so foams at the mouth, He, he gnashes his teeth, he becomes rigid, that, that would be a big physical thing that would cause a lot of turmoil. Everybody be looking at that, right? He says, so I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not. And, and, and he answered, Jesus said to them, oh, uh, faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long should I bear with you? I love these four words, bring him to me. Verse 20, then they brought this, this, this young man to Jesus, and when the young man saw Jesus, immediately the spirit convulsed in him. I'm telling you guys, there's always a last stand from the enemy, and it's going to happen today. My, I've been praying all week. We've been praying that there are going to be people that are going to come to the altar this morning, and we're going to pray for you, and you're going to be set free. And I'm telling you, there will be a last stand when I give this altar call. There will be something inside of you, some type of thought that comes to you and say, no, I can't do that. I don't want to be exposed. No, that's an indictment on my character. There will be a last stand. I'm telling you, it will always happen. And it says this. This is right before this guy's about to get set free, though. Okay? And it says, so immediately the spirit convulsed, the last stand, and he fell on the ground and he wallowed, foaming at the mouth. And verse 21, so he asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? I wanted you to get a picture of what I see when I read this story. This is happening. The crowd's like, oh my gosh, and this kid, ah, ah, like that. And I, I pictured Jesus just a, a picture of calmness. Even like with an apple and a pocket knife, you know, cutting it off. And he sees that young man, and he has compassion, but he says very calmly, how long has he been dealing with this? Everybody else is going, oh, what are we going to do? What are we do? You know why I know that? Why I believe that's how Jesus is? It's because he is not surprised. Jesus is not in awe of the enemy. Anything that the enemy does is, is, is nothing compared to him. So in all calmness, he knows the end of this story, and he's like, I know what's about to happen. So how long has he been? Can, I'm telling you this morning, greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. You need to understand that God is not far off. He is inside of you, and he is greater than anything that you're facing, anything that you're going through, and you can have calmness in any situation, right? And so all of a sudden, he's like, How long has he been dealing with this? And he says, from childhood and often, it's thrown him into the fire and even into the water to try to destroy him. Watch carefully what the Father says to Jesus. But if you, I don't know if you can, but if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you, if you can believe all things are possible to those who believes. See, here's what happened. Jesus, he says to Jesus, if you, if you can, and Jesus turns around on him and says, no, 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 no. I'm the creator of the heavens and the earth. I hold the universe in the palm of my hand. It's not if I can, it's if you can believe I can, right? And I'm telling you today, the, the, the answer for us today, if we're here and we're going, man, Jesus, can you, can you set me free? That he turns it right back on all of us again today to say, it's not if I can, it's if you can believe I can. Last, last, last story, because it's so easy. Jesus sets the kid free right there. They believe, he's set free. Mark 5, chapter 1. 
Another true story says that they came to the other side of the sea to the country of the Gadarenes. I want you to really think about this, guys. And when he came out of the boat immediately, there met him out of the tombs. So there's a cemetery close by. Guy comes running out of the tombs, a man with unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs and no one could bind him, not even with chains. Think about this. He had often been bound. They put shackles on him. And chains, and the chains had been pulled apart. They'd been literally broken by this, this naked, crazy guy running out of the tombs. The shackles had been broken in pieces. Neither could anyone tame him, verse 5. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and the tombs crying out, and he was cutting himself. We agree that this guy has problems. Everybody say major problems. I would even go as far to say that his problems are worse than your problems. You know how I know that? Because the, the Bible tells us, when Luke records it, it says he was literally naked when he ran up. Come running out of the tombs. I know that his problems are worse than your problems because none of us are naked living in a cemetery. That's just about as bad as it can get. And, and Pastor Jerry, this, this got me this last week. This guy is living in the old covenant. Jesus hasn't died yet. So the enemy is not, com it's not finished yet. Okay? So there's stuff going on here. He is demon possessed. Listen to this. Verse 6. When he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and he worshiped him. You know what that tells me? If the enemy could stop anybody, Cody, if he had any power, if he could stop anybody, it would have been that guy. But he still had the will to run to Jesus. Guys, we all have bondages. We have things that hold us back. This morning, don't let anything stop you from getting free. If anybody could have been held back, it would have been this guy. But he went all the way. He didn't let anything stop him. It's, it's, it's an amazing story. And I came to tell you today that nobody on this earth can stop you from getting to the will of God for your life. I'm telling you, no devil in hell can stop you from coming and getting set free today. Nobody can stop you. Well, I take that back. There's one person that can stop you. That's right. Everybody just said it. You. Years ago, many of you know my story. Some of you don't know my story, but I, I'm not this, have not always been this guy. <laughs> um, when my wife and I first got married um, over 17 years ago, I, I brought into our marriage some major bondages. And I, I wasn't saved. And I wasn't healed. I definitely wasn't set free. The things that I, I had bondage to, um, I was a borderline alcoholic, um, and I really struggled with lust, pornography, strip clubs. Spent a lot of time at those places. Um, the internet had really just hit and was taken off, so that type of pornography was exploding all over the place, and I found myself consumed in it. And uh, I remember one night looking at my wife and realizing if I continued the way that I was going, living life in bondage, that this wouldn't continue very much longer, that she'd leave me. And so uh, we, had a, we had a long talk and we decided the answer for us is church. That's what we said. It's just church. We just need to go to church. And that was a great decision. Um, we went to this church and that Sunday morning, 
the pastor gave an altar call for salvation and Lisa and I were sitting right about here and we got out and we walked to the front and obviously I cried <laughs> and uh, I received salvation and it's amazing at that moment that I said yes to Jesus I was set free from alcohol just like that I went from really having a problem to just not drinking anymore um, and I was so thankful, Pastor. I, I really was. I, thought, I thanked God for that. I, I knew the, in my life it had ruined uh, my, my grandfather's life and my great-grandfather's life. So I was thankful for being set free. Um, what happened, though, is we became very regular in our church, and, and uh, the pastor started wanting to use us for leadership and I got to a place where I didn't want to go to church anymore. And I told Lisa, I just don't want to go. And she said, why don't you want to go? And I couldn't tell her. I'd stopped going to the strip clubs, but just the pornography was just rampant and lust. And I thought, this is after salvation. I was thankful for what he had done for me and how could I admit to anybody that I was doing this stuff and the reason I didn't go, want to go to church because I thought if those people really knew me they wouldn't want me to come to that church if they really knew that I was nothing I'd go and I couldn't even worship like I needed to I, I was hindered I was in bondage I couldn't go any further well, Lisa, being the awesome grace that God's put her in my life, she taught me to continue going. I remember it was on a Sunday night, Sunday night church service, and in the, the sermon, somehow through the Holy Spirit, God had used my pastor for me to see that the only thing that was stopping me from God's will for my life was me and my stubbornness. The Bible says that this man came and he ran and he worshiped Jesus. That word for worship, literally, it talks about he prostrated himself. He, he, he humbled himself. He bowed down. To be set free, it takes some humility on your part because you have to admit that you're in bondage. I remember coming down and uh, I cried so hard that blood started to started having a nosebleed and I was like, oh man, this is so embarrassing. And I remember these words. I, I, I looked at my pastor and I said, I just, I just have this bondage to lust and this bondage to pornography. And I said, I'm so ashamed. I'm so ashamed. Because it was after, it was, I've been doing this for two years, Pastor, after I got saved and I'm living a lie. And he looked at me and he said this. He said, son, look at me. He goes, you mean to tell me that only the sins that you commit before you got saved are under the blood? He says, you mean to tell me that he only took the shame from the stuff before you got saved. I stopped crying. And at that moment, I was set free. Because you will know the truth. Jesus is the truth. And the heart of Jesus is to set you free. He's not imputing your sins against you. He's taken them before you ever did any of them, and he removed them as far as the east is from the west. And I went, I'm, I'm free. At that moment, I was free. The hard part was admitting I'm going to ask you all to bow your head and close your eyes. This morning, we want to pray for you.
there's, there's a lot of us here this morning that we have a bondage. It's not that you're not saved, but you're not living free. And Jesus, he, he wants to, to set you free today. And I know what's going through your mind right now. I'm going to ask the, uh, the pastors if they would come and get set up to pray for people right now. I know what's going through your mind. You're thinking, man, I, I, I just, I don't know if I can make that step to go down there. Because if, if I go down there, they're going to expose me. They're going to expose all my stuff. Listen, at the exchange, we don't expose people. We expose the enemy. And that's what's been happening in this whole service. <laughs> you don't have to expose a person to expose the enemy. We expose the enemy, and in doing that, people are set free. I told you, there's going to be a last stand. There's going to be something right now, because you're at the moment, right before the moment you're going to be set free. And in that moment, there's always a last stand from the enemy to put all these thoughts in your head, to put all this pride up. No, I'll do it later. Oh, no, what are people going to think about me? I'm telling you, greater is he that is in you. He's in you than he that is in this world. And I just break off of you right now the fear of what people think about you. Because for you to be free, it's going to take an action out of you. Now listen, I want everybody to open their eyes and look up at me. Three years ago, I had been a pastor for years at this moment. I'm leading a, a, a church that we started from the ground up. I'm a, a, a spiritual leader to these people. But how many know that doesn't mean that they have a that that your pastor has a perfect life, right? They're perfect just like you before God, but we still have bondages. Okay? Three years ago, my wife and I got into a a little argument. Things escalated very quickly. This was on a Saturday night. I'm going to preach on Sunday morning. My wife had just got a new set of pots and pans from her grandmother for Christmas. And she was cooking. She just put some water in. She's about to boil. And I told her, take back what you said. And the kids already saw that they, they all looked. And I said, take back what you said. And she bowed up at me, and she said something back to me. And I said, Lisa, and I grabbed that pot, and I took it, and I hit it on the ground over and over until I bent that thing. And I said, you, you tell me that you're taking that back. And it scared her so much that she ran to our bedroom, and she locked the door. And my kids are looking at me like, this guy's a maniac. Who is this person? I was, I, as a young man and as a young adult, I really struggled with anger. I had a bondage in my life that I had never been set free of, and I thought I had. And in that moment, I realized I'm not living free. I need to be free. So, listen, I'm, make it quick. I went, I repented to my wife. I got the kids all. I set them down. I said, Daddy's never going to do this again. This is not okay. And I told my three daughters, I don't want you to think that you get into a, a, a relationship that that is normal and that's okay. That was wrong and I am sorry. And I called Bishop Jamie and I said, listen, I need help. Because if that keeps happening, that anger... That, that can't keep happening. That's not God's will. That's something that's limiting. That's hindering me. And over the phone, Bishop said, man, you're admitting that you got a problem. Let's pray. And at that moment, God gave him a word. And at that moment, I was set free. Okay? And I have not had another one of those since then. Listen, I was a pastor, though. And I needed to be set free. Listen, if your pastor needs to be set free... We all do. So, close your eyes one more time. And I'm about to ask everybody, don't do it just yet. I'm going to ask everybody to stand to their feet. 
We have people up here that want to pray for you. In a moment, I'm going to say, one, two, three, I'm going to get you to stand to your feet. And if you are here this morning and you want to be set free, you realize, yes, I'm a Christian, and yes, God loves me, but I'm living in some certain type of bondage. When I say three, I want you to stand up, but I want you to immediately, don't wait, get out of your seat and come. Listen, you're in bondage this morning. You realize it. What are you going to do about it? Jesus, if you, no, Jesus says, no, if you, if you can believe, if you can do something about it this morning. So I'm going to count to three. And listen, you ought to be the first one. Don't wait. You ought to be the first one. I'm going to ask everybody to stand your feet. When I say three, I'm going to get you to stand up. If you need prayer this morning, anybody and everybody, come up here. One, Holy Spirit, I ask that you draw everybody, everyone that you need to. Two, three. Everybody stand your feet and get up out of your seat. Come up here and find somebody that prays for you. Listen, everybody that needs prayer this morning, we want to pray for you, okay? And so I'm going to ask Elena if she just lead us in some worship. And if there's nobody to pray for you yet, listen, we're going to pray for you, okay? Thank you for listening to the Exchange Church Podcast. Follow us on our social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search for the Exchange Church Houston. If you would like to give to the Exchange Church, you can go to our website at IamTheExchange.com and look for the red button in the top right corner labeled Give Online.